0: What did Malachi speak that the Lord said would happen if family broke down? Mm -hmm. I I, Sometimes I think when we read the Old Testament, we read prophecies like that the Lord will like uh, destroy the land. We're like, okay, he's gonna throw lightning and a bunch of fire and it's gonna destroy the land. (laughs) Or maybe God just knows enough to let you know that when the family breaks down, the land's gonna be
1: destroyed. to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Aaron Richards. I'm the host for today's show and I'm here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio with my friends and brothers in Christ, Mr. Brad Pierron.
0: What's up? Good Brother to see Dan
1: you. Dan Come on. Hello. I, I was telling the guys before the show, I am, I am so sore. What? I, uh, <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> This is the best. This, it plays into today's topic. Okay, so uh, this weekend I I was walking through the barn here at Damascus where our weight room is. Yes, and two of our missionary guys were there getting ready to lift some weights, and I didn't have something happening. And I was like, I I need like I need to I need to be there. <laughs> I need <laughs> to partake in this. <laughs> <laughs> I to partake. In this. So uh, they have been at this for like literally months. They've been doing this. It, Pretty intense upper body workout, and I decided to step in and uh, just push myself right beyond, like what what they were accomplishing. (laughs) Could you you say right beyond Damascus? Just to continue to show them that I'm still in the game. Yeah, I can. I can barely move my arm. Yeah, (laughs) it's been it's been two
2: days. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure I
1: tore my. Actually, medical
2: staff standing by.
1: Ah uh, yes. Well, anyway, um, we're going to talk about this today. There's there's good reason for why I uh, why I engage in that endeavor. But okay, great. Um, guys, the topic for today is uh, is one of exploring this this concept of of fatherhood, motherhood, mm-hmm. of our, our engaging in a relationship of discipleship that I think is unique, and um, what, one that I think. I, as, as we begin to explore this, uh, I think I think this will touch maybe some of the hearts of our our listeners. so if you are joining us for the first time on the show, uh, once again, this is the show where Encounter meets mission like Saint Paul experienced a life changing encounter with Jesus, that encounter transformed him into mission, so too we through our encounter with jesus uh we've got we've got no alternative other mm-hmm. than to give our lives in mission and this is uh Again, just sharing before the show. This is one of the areas of mission that has been so um, deeply rooted in my heart in the last couple of years. And uh, in talking with Brad and talking with Dan, this is one that I think each of us has a lot of kind of synergy around. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to share it with you because uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Lord's doing. I want to start us today in uh, in a prayer that many of our listeners may have prayed called the Litany of Humility. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of those prayers that uh, is a little uh, its a little aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to it's, say the least. It's hard, it's hard to pray this prayer. When really. I first prayed it, I
0: wasn't <laughs> convinced I actually wanted what I was asking for. Yeah, which is, when I pray oh, this,
1: I'm not convinced that I'm actually a Christian. But <laughs> here we go. Uh, this is, I, don't, I don't know who authored the Litany of Humility, but it reads as follows. Lord Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. It goes on with, uh, with a litany from the desire of being esteemed, from the desire of being loved, of being extolled, of being honored, of being praised, of being preferred to others, of being consulted, approved. And we pray, deliver me, Jesus, deliver me from those desires. And then we pray for freedom from, from fear, from the fear of being humiliated, despised, rebuked, calumniated, forgotten, ridiculed, wronged, or suspected. And we pray, deliver me, Jesus, from that fear. And then there's a, there's a handful of phrases that I think they really just put us out there to the point where I'm, I'm confident these things are impossible to pray apart from the grace of, of the Lord as it particularly pertains to, to sort of this topic. That others may be loved more than I. We pray Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I. I pray Jesus grant me the grace to desire it that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. And finally that others may become holier than I provided that I might become as holy as I should. Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. Now, uh, come Lord Jesus. Those are, those are beautiful prayers. And in my mind, those, those last eight phrases that we pray specifically, um, those are really difficult. And like you said, those are ones that I question whether I even desire. And, um, I, I want to suggest that in, in my own life and experience, I don't think I had any context for the type of um, heart that this was communicating until I actually stepped into vocation, until I stepped into marriage, and ultimately until I started having kids. To be in that place of realizing um, I'm, I'm made in such a way, I'm designed in such a way that I'm supposed to lay my life down, period, end of story. And, and, and nothing else about this is going to make sense until I can embrace that reality.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. There's something about those prayers that, um,
0: it's like the antithesis to what we experience in the Western world today. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm going to build my legacy. I'm going to build Brad Pierron Ministries. And then there's going to be non-Brad Pirons who carry on Brad Piron Ministries after I die, you know? And, um, that was
1: a dream at one point.
0: I, I, well, <laughs> I, I was just, I was just laughing at the, at the fact that like, I think a huge uh, movement in my heart actually was the call to Damascus in that prayer because I think I caught the vision for something that's going to outlive me. And and I, I didn't want to be a part of something that just lived as long as I did. And so I, I think it was actually in, in the founding of Damascus and the founding of something that had people that were more gifted than me in a number of areas where I gave a yes that I started realizing that. But I, I understand what you're saying too, Aaron. Obviously, vocation and kids, they teach us that too. But there's something about giving
2: it down the line. Well, recently someone was chosen and I was set aside for something I wanted. And all, uh, all the things that were going on in my heart, like like for, for the desire to be, that others would be chosen and you would be set aside. Mm-hmm. I realized I was like, oh man, I hate all of this. It's happy inside of me. This is nasty. This is disgusting. <laughs> like, this is not like, and it's just, it's funny because when when those things happen, when others yeah. are loved more than you or others mm-hmm. are extolled more than you for something you also should be, Extolled for or are chosen, and you're set aside that it manifests something inside of you that uh, mm-hmm. it allows you to bring those things to the Lord. Like, why was I envious in this moment and as opposed to grateful in that moment? And I think the heart of what you're suggesting, Aaron, is there's a like uh, this idea of fatherhood or motherhood. Well, I don't get sad when my son or my daughter get chosen for something, I get really excited. And when my son's yeah. chosen to do <laughs> something, I'm not like, well, why wasn't I chosen? Like and and nothing happens in me. Like yeah. envy doesn't stir up in me. Enthusiasm stirs celebration. up. Celebration. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if I have a if I have a disposition of heart towards my brothers and sisters or those that I'm discipling of fatherhood, then instead of envy being stirred up in me, excitement and celebration and gratitude is stirred up in me that mm-hmm. the one that I desired to be chosen was actually chosen. Mm-hmm. Um and now I get to walk with them because of mm-hmm. my son's chosen. I get to walk with him in preparation, yeah. as opposed to being left out and mm-hmm. not included. And there's a there's a total difference. Uh, I remember y- you came home from a a conference, and it was um uh I don't it was a few years back now. It's been multiple years, but where you came home with this revelation, I don't know if it was taught at the conference or if it was something that stirred up in your prayer. But the moment you express this concept of fatherhood style discipleship or fatherhood mentality in relationship with those that we're caring for, this idea of spiritual fatherhood um, being where you want someone chosen or someone to surpass you, yeah. it shifted. Like it, it made so much sense and shifted everything immediately in my mindset, in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's an interesting revelation. Praise the Lord. It
1: is, yeah. I think it's interesting because ultimately, and, and we'll get to this in a couple of different ways, but I, I think this communicates the heart of the heart of God. Like this is mm-hmm. this is one of those areas where it's clear through Scripture, it's clear through the Church that this is the way that God has has designed us. Mm-hmm. And um, my hope is that maybe I don't know. We were having a, a brief conversation before the show that um, isn't this the same way of describing discipleship? Like you know. Mm-hmm. Many of our listeners are engaged in discipleship relationships, mm-hmm. whether whether I'm discipling an individual, whether I'm being discipled by an individual, and I'm leading a small group, whether I'm participating, whatever. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think that there's a unique distinction when we begin to see through this lens, because Dan, like you're saying, that like we we are we are supposed to communicate the faith in a way where we are uh, we're not only ready, but our intention is that those who come. After us would surpass us in greatness and uh, like you said that that makes so much sense in the home, but it doesn't make sense in really any other area that we've experienced in the faith i don't
2: think or in life you know you don't you don't go to a football game and and desire that your competitor surpasses you right and so or <laughs> or you don't you know you don't mentor as a, a quarterback, you don't mentor the quarterback, the second string quarterback and hope that they take mm-hmm. first string. Mm-hmm. And so like our experience is yeah. uh, one that is competitive by nature in yep. life that I'm supposed to compete to be the best. And so in uh, the only area where we truly don't have a competitive nature is in this this notion of fatherhood and motherhood. In a right in, in the order. In family. Yeah. 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 That we desire our children to surpass us a hundred mm-hmm. percent of the time. Right. That we want their, we want them to to accomplish more than us and do more than us, because in their accomplishments, we share in their joy.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I was just looking this up. I I always think of our patron, St. Paul, with this, and uh, he he clearly disciples so many people, like so many people that he builds churches in areas, right? And when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. His relationship with the church in Corinth generally was different than his relationship specifically with Timothy, yeah, right? Like there is this this reality that if all of us figure out where our hearts are at and we figure out who we're supposed to be in a fatherhood or motherhood relationship with, it it actually gives us the freedom to invest an entire heart in that person. That yes, Paul loved the church in Corinth but in a very particular way, he loved Timothy. And I think that can give us a context for discipleship sure. goes wider, right? Sweet. Fatherhood goes deeper. And, and there really is a, a beauty in both of those things. And Paul, I think, manifests both of those very clearly in his ministry, at least from what I can I, read. I want to I root us in that there.
1: scripture, but um, be, before we get there, just because we're we're tossing around these terms, I imagine there's a handful of people who are listening to the show today mm-hmm. who don't have kids, right? Mm-hmm. So- when we speak about fatherhood uh, and motherhood, I, I think that this is an orientation that, that can be seen in two lenses. You know, Number mm-hmm. one, there are those who are or will be natural parents of yeah. biological children.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a big deal because you are charged with an authority of, of both practical uh, <laughs> biological leadership of, mm-hmm. of building a family with them uh, in, in a very objective, practical way. And also you're charged with what, what we'll identify sort of as this idea of spiritual fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of respect and, and foundation for the idea of spiritual fatherhood in the mm-hmm. context of Catholicism. Um, you know, Brad, as you were identifying before the show, that uh, it may come as no surprise. we call our priest's father, right <laughs> Right. Um, we call uh, you know the leader of a religious congregation of women mother. mother. and our,
0: our Eastern brothers and sisters call all sisters mother, right? because it's deep in. The
1: tradition as far as you can mm-hmm. go back, even prior to the first schism. So, so this idea of spiritual fatherhood, I would say, is something that, at least in Catholicism, we 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 sort of don't have any educational framework for on how we're supposed to fall into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's something that I think we we can't pass by. You know, we're, we're talking about rootedness in Scripture, and the 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 primary place of rootedness comes from Malachi chapter four verse six. This was this was. Malachi prophesying about what the mission of Jesus would be to the world, and he identifies the mission of Jesus will be that he will turn the hearts of parents to their children, and the hearts of children to their parents. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about this statement also is that it is uh, it, it's one of the few promises of God that is connected directly with a, a promise of destruction mm-hmm. if it's not followed. Right. <laughs> so uh, this is again Malachi four 6. Uh, he will turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love when the Lord is yeah. like, <laughs> I've got a great promise for you. And if it doesn't happen, you'll all die. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it, well, and
0: also like strike the land with destruction. That's what happens when the family breaks apart. Yeah. And, and he clearly lays it out too, because Malachi, he's prophesying 400 years before the coming of Jesus, right? And then it, it's like radio silence in the scriptures. It stops. 400 years, 40 times 10, right? Season of wholeness, season of perfection, like those numbers coming together 400 years later. And what does Matthew start with? I love when with? you
1: toss stuff out like I that. But what,
0: but what does Matthew start with? Like Because God is never doing something by accident, I guess is what I'm trying to yeah. get at. It's that never helped. by accident. Like those words aren't there by accident. Yeah. And he doesn't start the New Testament with the genealogy by accident. Yeah. Like the first thing Matthew goes into is family. Yeah. Remember my promise to David and that his family line would carry the one who would, who would sit on the throne forever. Yeah, Like, and and yeah, God does nothing by accident. So yeah, those words are just so powerful. And to see that Jesus brings fulfillment to that immediately through the lens of family gives us at least a general context.
1: So today, as we we approach the faith, oftentimes, at least in, in our American Catholic understanding, is that the primary place of our faith formation should be at the parish, right? Where we receive from somebody And I would, Mm -hmm. I would even go so far as to say that, you know, Dan, as you were identifying that, that perspective of fatherhood, that, um, you know, that a a spiritual father should desire that his sons and daughters actually surpass him, that I don't think many of us probably have that type of understanding or relationship even with our parish pastor. No, our, our expectation is that this guy's the holy man, right. And that, and that he's called to, to be holy so that Mm -hmm. I don't have to. Or so that so that I can I can try
2: to be half as good as he is, right? Or this guy's supposedly the holy man, but I'm I'm like better than them, you know? Like we don't even give them mm-hmm. the nod that like actually I want to submit to your fatherhood. That there's, I mean, I I think there's something beautiful about the sure. the parish priest that's at your bedside when you're dying. Mm-hmm. Like your 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 spiritual father is there for you in that moment. Mm-hmm. I even love watching. Uh, all of our young priests because it's not an age thing. I love watching our young priests who have embraced true spiritual fatherhood who Mm -hmm. are in their early 30s and are spiritually fathering in such a profound way Mm -hmm. the 60s and 70-year-olds in their parish. And um, because they've had formation where they understand the fatherhood isn't, um, it's a disposition of the heart of how I speak to you, how I look to you, and how I care for you. Not merely a... Uh, positional authority mm-hmm. that I have over. But what's interesting, you, you know, back
1: in the day, in the early church, what is the model for for a parish? Like the the place where liturgy was practiced, the place mm-hmm. where faith was communicated, was actually the family home,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, and it, it, I don't know, maybe it was just because there weren't any buildings available, so mm-hmm. we so we opted for the Probably next. Had best a lot to thing. Do with it. No. <laughs> <laughs> But you see, you see the context originally in the early church of of how the faith was communicated, um, and I, I think there's something to be said of that mm-hmm. that that there, there was a place of of true um, family ownership, you know, uh, and and you see that as like this place where the where the gospel was communicated and where life was affirmed mm-hmm. and transformed. Um, my my mind goes to uh, There's a story in. Acts of the Apostles, where uh, Peter is imprisoned, and the whole Christian community is gathered at the house of Mark,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, and uh, they are they're gathered there, and they're praying for Peter to they're praying for Peter to be released. And ultimately, that very day, an angel comes and, and um and delivers Peter from prison. And he makes his way down the street, and he knocks on the door of Mark's house, and one of the mm-hmm. servants answers the door. She sees Peter. She screams and slams the door. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is my summary, summary teaching, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? And, <laughs> I
2: was in the footnote. <laughs> um,
1: the, the, scream, the scream at least. She does. She closes the door and she goes back and she says, uh, Peter's angel is at the door. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, two things to note here. Number one, it, it, was, it is noteworthy that the, the Christian community, when it was time to come around in a time of crisis, they came to the house of a family right? Also noteworthy is that when they gathered as a family to pray, mm-hmm. they were used to seeing miracles. How do we know this? Because when she opened the door, the she, servant was more convinced that it was probably an angel mm-hmm. visiting yeah. than it was a human. Yep. <laughs> Which is also, well, So they're so used to angels <laughs> said, well, just
2: showing up. And also credit to the resurrection.
0: <laughs> like We're kind of oh, yeah. used to this like in-between reality where like he appeared to us for 40 days. And so I think Peter might be there. But yeah, again, evidence to the fact that the miraculous was happening.
1: So I guess what, what I mean to say is that um, the, the Catholic Church, if, if, we have, if we've received you know, catechesis in the role of parents and families, we know mm-hmm. that, that our, our, in our home is supposed to be the first and primary place of
2: the communication of the faith. Mm-hmm. Well, and then what happens? So, And I think we have that basic, deep understanding, and I think that's prevailed the American Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. But then outside the home, I think one of the, the main models that we have that we follow is that there's, there's me as teacher and you as student. And, and it's funny because mm-hmm. it is a, um, there's a, I mean, I am a teacher to my children in my home. Um, and, and yet it's not a relationship of teacher and student. It's a relationship mm-hmm. of father and child. And I think that there's something so profound that if in active ministry outside of the home, we see mm-hmm. ourselves not as teacher and student, but father and child. And mm-hmm. if I were to love and to care for the CCD teacher, if they had that mindset or the, the you know, the disciple maker, yeah. that yeah. they had that mindset that there's a, uh, and that not, not just the mindset, but the disposition of the heart, that it actually, mm-hmm. it changes something that I don't just have information to share with you, or I don't just have a way of life to share with you. I actually have a love and affection for mm-hmm. you And I see your destiny and I want to help bring it about.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I also think within what both of you are saying is, is just the reality of how devastated we are when yeah. fathers don't step up to be who they're called to be and when mothers don't step up to mm. be who they're called to be. Because if we're gonna base the primary teaching of the faith in the family, the family yeah. needs to be a unit that's stable. Yeah. And, and here's something that I've been wrestling with a lot with the church in the Western world. I wonder what you guys think about this. I think specifically America, but a lot of people have adopted a local church model that at least looks like a parish model. We obviously got that from France, um, but I, I think-
1: France that, for the win. Like, yeah, yeah.
0: Well. Um, In the family, think about it like this, right? In the family of a father and a mother, right? The father and the mother are passing on the faith to their children. They're then going to mass on Sunday, hearing from their spiritual father and and their spiritual mother, the church. Mm -hmm. That like the fathers and mothers of the stable unit of the family passing on the faith to their children, they're then father and mothered by the local pastor and mother church. The tradition, the beauty of what the church is supposed to bring to us. So (laughs) we're supposed to learn how to be a father and mother from the father and mother of the church yeah. and then pass that to our kids. And then you can see what we were trying to build. Yeah. But the moment that, that one of those become unstable, that the father of the parish isn't as, um, I don't know, like um, trustworthy as I desired him to be. And, and we know that in the Western world, like how devastating that can be. And like, or when I don't understand what mother church is teaching in the tradition because it's not been translated to me or the moment that the father and mother get divorced in the home and they're no longer going to church, you know,
1: you can just see where the breakdown begins happening because yeah. family breaks down. You, you want So to press in there more, um, you look at, you look at the, the connection between what we observe in society and mm-hmm. what we see expressed in spiritual reality as well. And mm-hmm it should come as a surprise to no one that <laughs> that we're seeing the breakdown of family in our culture as well right and if you identify you know uh, in studying social dynamics what happens in single parent families mm-hmm. um, you see that the 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 entire stability of a child is 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 demolished mm-hmm. um, i i got a handful of things to look at here and and like this should shock us that single uh, ch- children raised in a single parent family are at four times greater risk of poverty. They're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager, more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect. They're twice as likely to see the risk of infant mortality. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, twice as likely to suffer, ob- suffer obesity, more likely to commit crime, and twice as likely to drop out of high school. Like you see this. Um, these observations that we have of what happens when, uh, when you have the breakdown of that family union or mm-hmm. unit,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I just when I when I read a list like that, I see this. I see the spiritual, the spiritual connection. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, becoming pregnant as a teenager, um, infant mortality. Like, how many how many passionate Catholics have we seen right. who've had a desire to start? An apostle, or had a passion on their heart, and because they've not been maturely led, they've launched something before it's ready, or yeah. they've they've not not had the the maturity of the discipline or the or the coaching mm-hmm. to help to do it right, and something that should have blessed the church ends up dying in
2: infancy, mm-hmm. or they had a father who told them don't do that, yeah, you know, and right. didn't encourage like didn't yeah. support yeah. them in their dream, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's both and right that there's. Sometimes it's they launch it before it's ready, or and they didn't have mentorship to make sure it was a healthy launch, or they were told no, we don't want we don't want what you bring, which Whoa. no father would ever say that to their child, like those gifts that you have over there just keep them in the corner, we don't want we don't want that in the family, yeah. you know yeah,
0: yeah, no, there's something there's something so true here well I go back to Malachi's words, what did Malachi speak that the Lord said would happen if family broke down mm-hmm. i I sometimes I think when we read the Old Testament, we read prophecies like that the Lord will like. Uh, destroy the land. We're like, okay, he's going to throw lightning yep. and a bunch of fire, and it's going to destroy the land. Or maybe <laughs> God just knows enough to let you know that when the family breaks down, the land's going to be That's destroyed. Right? <laughs> and so, like, there is just something to this teaching that I think so needed in our day and age. That, like, when because here's the thing: like, things are going to get hard. Like, if you're if you're if you're the enemy of the church, right? If you're the evil one, if you're the world, if you're the the like the forces against which I think we over speak to sometimes. But you're going to come at one thing. You're going to come at family because God's clearly speaking what He wants to bring salvation through. He wants to bring salvation through His Son as a Father. Okay. Well, we're immediately getting insight into what He's wanting to do, and so now that the family's under fire, how do we bring it back yep. and not just biologically, yep. but also spiritually? Like, and how do we submit uh, in a humble way to relearning what that means? You know, I think it's so important.
2: Yeah. Well, and so if there's yeah, I mean, because you can walk you can walk into a neighborhood and and know whether or not the dads are present in the homes usually, right? If Mm -hmm. if you're talking about this destruction of the land. So I go into a really rough neighborhood, chances Mm -hmm. are dads aren't around. Mm -hmm. And um, should we not draw that same conclusion about our, the healthiness of our church, Mm -hmm. right? If, um, if we go into a diocese and it's really, rough and the it's a spiritually unhealthy diocese mm-hmm. and the churches are on massive decline and mm-hmm. the pews are empty there's there's an absence of effective parenthood happening and mm-hmm. it, it, it's not it's not always that there's not the I mean there may be orthodoxy right the, uh, like, like from authoritative teaching mm-hmm. may still be there um, but is is the heart of a father there and is the f- heart of the mother there. and so if your parish is suffering, mm-hmm. Ask the question: Are you bringing the heart of the father, and are mm-hmm. you bringing mm-hmm. the heart of a mother? And if you're, you know, I was talking to someone who's a CCD, uh, I mean a PSR, whatever we call mm-hmm. it, it a Sunday yeah, right, school right. teacher, and she was suggesting, man, I have tried everything, and I just can't reach these kids. It's so mm-hmm. discouraging. And um, and, and she's like, I, I teach, I teach, I teach, and they're just apathetic. Mm-hmm. And and I just asked her, like, because she started to talk about uh, her brokenness mm-hmm. that she had mm-hmm. for them, and I was like. Tap into that, like that heart that you have for those kids, is the power and authority that you're going to have over them, and mm-hmm. get involved in their families. To like reach mm-hmm. out to their parents because she's like, I should do that. And I think it's that that heart of the mother. the The classroom doesn't need a teacher. the The classroom needs you to be mother mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to to love them in that way.
0: Well, I would say there's only one exception to what you're saying, and I think it walks right alongside it. Right? Is like you, you can tell when fathers aren't present, right? you can also tell when sons and daughters have rejected the love of the father. Yeah. Like that Malachi prophecy is not a one-way prophecy. Yeah. He said, I'm going to return father's hearts to their sons and sons' hearts back to the Mm -hmm. fathers. We have an obedience issue in the country. We do. Mm -hmm. Like where we want to just push and say why we're right and why you're wrong. And we don't submit humbly to learn from those who are in a place of authority that we can yeah, trust yeah. that the holy spirit has put them in. Now again, I'm not saying that that person's going to be perfect in all that they do and I'm also not saying to not uh-huh. follow your conscience. What I am saying though is the only exception, now again, I think it walks right alongside what yeah. you're saying, is we need the heart of the father that we also need the heart of sons and daughters there. Yeah. Right? We need that mm-hmm. heart that says, "I have something to learn. I am not self-sufficient." Right? Like I I can't live
1: autonomously. Yeah. There's there's a beautiful and a nuanced word that I think pervades theology as well as psychology around this
3: mm-hmm.
1: of identifying what happens when, what happens when somebody misses the mark, right? When I, when I fail to be an effective son or daughter mm-hmm. effective or, or when mm-hmm. my, or when my biological or spiritual father or mother right. failed to fail to lead me effectively.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and the word of course is a father or a mother wound, right? Right. Uh, I, I don't want to go too much into depth on that because I think we could spend a whole show addressing, sure. um, maybe some of the, some of the, details surrounding that, but there's a, there's a 0% chance that Mm -hmm. somebody who's listening to today's show has not experienced what happens when this falls apart. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, All of us have suffered the wound of not having been led when we were supposed to have, Mm -hmm. of not having had the needs that we had provided for, or of on the counterpoint, as Dan was suggesting of, um, you know, Operating from a place of of disregard or disobedience in sure. such a way that we're not actually going to enjoy the fruit of of what is mm-hmm. intended for us here. So, um, I, I like I like the way that Doctor Doctor Bob Schutz from the JP Two uh, Healing um, Healing Center communicates this uh, very similar to how John Eldridge communicates mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that the father wound the mother wound is effectively a place where the needs of an individual mm-hmm. are. Are not are not provided, right? That there's a there's a um, there's a misfire between what I need and what someone who's supposed to be caring for me is able to provide, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It right. might mean that my expectations just sure don't line up with their capacity.
0: Yeah, so I was about to say, or I have the right expectations and mm-hmm. they
1: yeah they don't have the ability to live up to that because of something. But every mind. one of us experiences that mis that mi- experiences that misalignment.
2: Yeah, I was with a. Um... A national evangelist uh, who goes all over the country and does tons of ministry to adults and children. Just just this week, and he, he said something that was so interesting. He's a very big, bold personality, East Coast guy, like kind of. And um, and he said, "You know where I have the most success?" He's like, "I have the most success in in German farming communities." I was like, <laughs> "What? <laughs> like you're this crazy East Coast like like you would insult them?" He's like, "You know why I have the most success there?" Because I I show them the love and the affirmation that mm-hmm. their priests and bishops don't. He said they're so hungry. There's this human need, as you're mm-hmm. saying, the father wound. This that I have a need that he's like I look them in the eyes. He said the other the the priests and the bishops aren't looking them in the eyes. And uh, I think it's so interesting because it, it it he's satisfying a need that the people have yeah. mm-hmm. that the the spiritual authority isn't providing. And I think that, um, and he's a lay person, right? And so it's not that, that doesn't say that the, the, the priests and the bishops in those areas aren't providing another aspect, but it's mm -hmm. that we all express fatherhood in different ways. And there's Mm -hmm. like your, your spiritual fatherhood is needed in your parish, right? Because your pastor isn't perfect and Mm -hmm. he never will be. And he can't be everything because he's himself and he's going to be able to love certain people in certain ways, but there's other people who, who need loved as well. Mm-hmm. And they're like, the Lord's asking you to bring what you bring, but it centers yeah. that tenderness that this East coast guy brings, even mm-hmm. through his boldness yeah. um, is, is more important than the academic rigor. So yeah. That's sweet.
0: That's also the mercy of the church. So the mercy of the church is that like, so like a lot of times, like I, I can um, overlook just how beautiful what's been laid right in front of us is like the beauty of the Catholic church is that we have father, God and mother church and Joseph and Mary. And so like, there are things that transcend the current circumstance, no matter how bad it is that I can then look to he who is the perfect father, who does have everything. And she, who is the perfect mother, who has everything, and then the representatives of them in a very tangible way here on earth, Joseph and Mary, that we've been handed to then go to and say like, okay, I don't feel like this is being provided for me. Mm. Joseph, how would you provide this? Right? Mary, I don't think this is being provided for me. How would you provide that? Or if I go to the meta, like mother church, what does she say here? Like how, how can she like nourish me back to wholeness, right? And how can I go to Father God and have him speak to me what it means to walk this line between um, acceptance of someone as they are and reprovement of someone so they can become who they were meant to be. Like, Mm -hmm. man, like that's a mercy. And we, cause we're in the heart of success when we're in the heart of God. And I think sometimes we just accept failure in this area because there's a bunch of breakdowns that we don't understand and we don't have the right strategies. Yeah. Well, yeah, all that can matter, at the same time, there has been a great gift that transcends all that that's been given to us yeah. in the church
1: and in the Trinity and in what they've revealed through the Beautiful. birth of Jesus. So I think where I want to where I want to make sure that we that we lead in the purpose of conversation today is isn't to uh, I don't know to drag on failure. Yeah, right? sure, <laughs> sure. So every one of us has fallen short in this area. We always will. And maybe to wrap up that that thought. Uh, Dr. Bob, I think, offers just the most beautiful reflection on this. How do you, we, we don't want to blame. We don't want to curse our parents for failing us. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't want to continue to propagate those wounds in the hearts of our own children and those that we lead. What do we do about it? Um, Dr. Bob identifies, he says, uh, deal with the wounds in your own heart so that you will pass on grace rather than more woundedness. So I, I, can, I can come to the reality I can come to come to terms with the reality that I have been broken, right? That I am broken, mm-hmm. and as I deal with those wounds in my own heart, then I can be one who actually communicates grace through a relationship. Definitely. Definitely. Um, here, it, the Beyond Damascus is the show where Encounter leads the mission. Um, my question, man, is 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 this perspective on discipleship something that is optional to us? Mm-hmm. I, I would suggest it's not. Okay. Um, Brad, you identified earlier that there's a number of places in scripture where we see this just so beautifully on display. Mm -hmm. Uh, you recommended Paul and Timothy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, old Testament, we see Eliza, Elijah and Elisha, this, Mm -hmm. this, this dynamic relationship of prophet and the one who will follow him presented almost as father and son. Mm -hmm. Uh, we see the way that scripture speaks about family. Um, one of the most striking, uh, Parables in Scripture is, is the the prodigal son, right? Mm-hmm. This relationship between between a father and his sons, mm-hmm. um, and I, I want to bring it back all the way. You know, theology of the body always reminds me that that if we want to if we want to look for the end, we look to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the very first command that the Lord offers to us in the garden, he offers to Adam and Eve. He says, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it." That's in Genesis chapter one, um, and I think coming from that primordial command is, is the foundation of evangelization, right? And it's the foundation of understanding who we're called to be in family. That, that I am called to evangelize by means of family. Mm-hmm. To, to, uh, that, that fruitfulness, the, the very first command of God to man, fruitfulness is part of my design. And if, mm-hmm. if my life, if my if my ministry work is not is not bearing children, right? It's not bearing fruit, mm-hmm. then ultimately I'm not living up to my potential. Right. Definitely. I'm not living up to my design. So if if I'm not developing people, and I would suggest if I'm not developing people in this way, then um I'm I'm missing the mark. That mm-hmm. the the kingdom ultimately loses its longevity.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I just saw there was a there's an article, um, you know whether it's to be believed or not that China is seeing for the first time population decline, right? Uh, that where <laughs> whereas the the world used to be on this on this trend of overpopulation being like the biggest deal, now we see that there's a perceived crisis or at least a promoted crisis of um, of lack of population. It's going right? to peak of, at like 11 billion and then drop precipitously, and, and yeah, and drop to the point of lack of sustainability, right? So um, this is part of our design, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. And and as as you're listening to the show today, I think what I'd like to leave us with are, are maybe some um, key uh, responses to how can we activate this call to fatherhood, motherhood, and throne. Well, before we get there, can we speak
0: to the optional piece? Because I, I think it's a good question because you you could hear this and say, this is a really good model, but it's an optional model like so many other models of evangelization. And I think to the optional piece, you have to think to yourself like, in the family context, naturally, the kids literally look like the parents, right? They're taking on something that the parents gave over freely, right? That's the idea of how the family's built biologically. Same thing in the spiritual realm, and I don't think it's by accident that God wanted it that way, is like, actually, what you were carrying in the generation you were in, I want to carry in some way in mine. Now, it's going to look a little different. Like, I don't look exactly like my dad or exactly like my mom, but I definitely look like them, you know? And I'm called to carry that out differently now in a very natural way. Same thing with this spiritual idea. I, I really do think it's critical because we can't lose the wisdom of the past. That's another beauty of the church. She has always taught we can't lose the wisdom of the past, but we do have to operate in the present. And so I don't think it's optional, but I would wonder what you guys would speak to that. Your first question, before we get to the practicals, I I don't, what am I trying to say? I don't think this is a ministry strategy that we can kind of like wrestle with and say, maybe, maybe not. I think it's actually something that we need to implement into whatever strategy
2: we have for ministry, Hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I mean, Jesus was the ultimate disciple maker, right? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and you see his heart expressed. I think a lot of times we use this verse to kind of talk about power and Holy Spirit, but he says in um, John fourteen twelve, um, amen, amen, I say to you, not only will you accomplish the works that I have, but mm-hmm. greater works than these. And um, there's this this desire in Jesus's heart that those who follow him, a, that they would surpass his works and uh, that they hmm. would accomplish greater things than him. It wasn't, yeah. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I, I, I've got this. Um, hmm. it was actually the very design, um, of the savior of the world was to give us the authority mm-hmm. and the power of the Holy spirit to exercise his ministry and, 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 to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. So his desire Mm -hmm. was this Mm -hmm. heart of a father that I want you to surpass me. I want Mm -hmm. you to go beyond me. And so I I think it is, um, it it Mm -hmm. could be a false dichotomy to say that there is, um, there, there is different kinds of ministry or different kinds of approaches to evangelization. Whereas it's Jesus is the evangelist. How did Jesus Mm -hmm. do it? And, and he was teacher. Mm -hmm. He was, he was father. He Mm -hmm. was, um, forgiver, you know, like the elements of his heart and his, Mm -hmm. his ministry methodology are so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And how do we imitate that most effectively? And the fact that when Jesus came in the world, he revealed God as father says Mm -hmm. everything, right. Mm -hmm. That if I want to do the ministry of God, (laughs) right. If I want to do God's work here on earth, Mm -hmm. that, that it, it is, it is the God's work is Mm -hmm. the work of the father. And so any ministry work I do has to be connected to Mm -hmm. the, the foundational starting point of father. Yeah.
0: And how beautiful is that second part to that uh, Matthew 28 verse that we quote all the time, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We, we preach that all the time. Agreed hundred percent, right? Baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, like immersing them in family, right? like, immerse yeah. them into family, into a yeah. place where they can grow and become who they were made to be. Just like he did with the three, 12, 72, 500, 5,000.
2: Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. It's huge. When I do think there is a. Uh, I, I will put out a challenging word, even for podcasters, right? That, mm-hmm. so there's a temptation that we would do ministry mm-hmm. without actually being fathers or mothers, mm-hmm. right? That, um, uh, it, you could be an evangelist that goes in and speaks mm-hmm. to a huge crowd and then leaves, or does a great podcast and leaves, but you're not mm-hmm. actually walking with people and raising them up. And there's a mm-hmm. need to, um, it's we 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 can't just we can't just have spiritual kids by throwing stuff out and not raise them, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's a an element of <clears throat> who it who are the Timothys in my life that mm-hmm. I I have to if mm-hmm. I am doing evangelization and I'm reaching out to everyone, Mm -hmm. I have to identify particular people that I'm Mm -hmm. pouring into to really raise up. Right. Because, um, otherwise I'm just, you know, trying to get a bunch of sons and daughters and not raising anyone up. And that, you know, if I had 500 kids and didn't raise them well, that wouldn't be good father. (laughs) Would you
0: guys say it's both and though? Like, and I know your
2: heart there. I think that anyone listening, I'm just trying to make
0: sure they get the context for what we're saying. Because like, you can, you can do a podcast like this and it's your letter to the church in Corinth. Great, that's yep. awesome. Like you're not going to be able to walk with every single one of those Correct. people, but you can raise up the people that can walk with those people. So right. that that's the beauty of like what Jesus did is, is he took all that into context. He wasn't going to stop preaching to the 5,000 and just invest in the three. He was going to do both. Yep. And he was going to raise up the three so they could raise up the 12 who raised up the 72. Like it, it's we have to look at both and if we're going to get the church back to being what the church is called to be.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So how do do we do it? Uh, I I want to leave us, you know, rather than just kind of sitting in a, in a theory to actually ask, okay, how do I buckle down? And in my discipleship relationships, um, how do I live out a call to fatherhood more intensely? Or even in my house, in my parish, like Dan's been saying. Or, or or with my kids, with my family. Mm -hmm. Um, and like Dan, you mentioned earlier, this this has been a message that's been that's been heavy on my heart for for a number of years, and I I think God's got big plans for it. Personally, I've got like a list of I think literally twenty things here. We will not get to twenty items. <laughs> <20 laughs> uh, I, I want to framework it in 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 four words: so seeking, presence, affirmation, and advocacy. And in the context of those things, maybe we can just. Bounce around for just a couple minutes, uh, reflecting. When it comes to seeking, so when I when I seek out individuals in the context of ministry, um, when you seek out in the context of ministry in in small group or discipleship group or wherever it is that you find yourself, right? A a couple key areas that I want to reflect on are: create space for inconvenience. So uh, I mentioned, you know, walking through the barn the other day. Um, Create time in your day where you have scheduled interruptibility, right? Um, one of the ways that I do that at Damascus is we've got, we've got 60 missionaries close to it here on campus. And you know, every once in a while, somebody will ask like, hey, are you open to a conversation? And I, I've got a setup on my, on my Google calendar where I can just send them a link and it'll show them a 30-minute slot at the next availability on my calendar. So I've got an expectation of myself that regardless of how busy I am, I want to be available to you know, my sons and daughters, to those who ask for time to, time to be present, time to communicate. Um, with my own kids at home, like what that means for me, I had this conversation with Monica last weekend. This is a busy week and, and I'm going to be out of town this weekend on a ministry trip. I, am, I have scheduled time now into my evenings over the next five days for me to play with my children, mm-hmm. like to be present to my children. Because I know if I don't schedule that time, it's just not going to happen. It won't become a priority to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about about that?
2: I, I think uh, part of seeking is the discovery as well. Mm-hmm. so like what what is what's their passion? what's their yep. drive? Where are they? And you just think about the father's eternal desire to seek us out in salvation history, right like yep. that hmm. that he is a seeker, it was him that came to us, and um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I remember just as prepping a, a talk on um family one time and uh asking the lord what's the what's the secret behind like fatherhood and he mm. was just he just said just engage yep. like like yep. to be a good husband just engage with your wife mm. to be a good dad just engage mm. with your kids seek them out seek out what needs yeah. done and do it and um i think that that just activity like there's an element where i've got to do something mm-hmm. um and, and, you know, that's, that's the father's first action towards yeah. us. Mm-hmm. I he think
1: us. taking active interest in someone's passions just mm-hmm. speaks so much about the love that you have for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I see this in the context in youth ministry. Like one of, one of our greatest evangelization tips for youth ministry is look at the shirt the person's wearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. oftentimes your yeah, <laughs> entry sure. point, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. typically I'm going to, I'm going to advertise something that I'm passionate about. Yep. So if I come to you and I say, hey, you know, and I, again, I do this with my kids at home. Um, Diggory, show me what you're like, tell me why you love Minecraft. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and we can, you know, I have to actually engage. I have an invitation to engage on his turf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in a way that, in a way that opens his heart really powerfully.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll remember the, the words of the father at the very beginning after the fall, where are you? Right. Mm -hmm. So the father's heart was to seek out where his son and daughter were. Right. And so there's great wisdom in that. Also, I think the only other thing I have to add is when you are seeking, like, like bring to recollection, the conversations you've had yeah. with them before, like tell them the story they've told you, like, just because I know we're going to get into like affirming and things, but what that does, because it doesn't just make you feel sought out for a moment, but you've yeah. been sought out as a person. Yep. Like when, when God interacts with Israel in the Old Testament, he says the, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, like we're, yeah. I remember this story, yeah. you know, I remember this story, and that's greater evidence even for family, right? that Abraham was a father and Isaac yep. was a father and Jacob was a father, yep. and so anyway, but being able to remember as you're speaking to them, yeah, I remember you saying that you were passionate about that. Tell me more about
1: that, yeah uh, presence so how do i how do I affirm um fatherhood, motherhood, and my relationships by my presence? The biggest piece here is uh that i that I, I'd like to focus on is um that it's important that a father lets his children see him pray, okay? Dan, I don't know if you've ever shared this on the show, but I remember countless times that you shared on retreats and conversation, how impactful just walking down and in the evenings and seeing your mom praying with scriptures at the kitchen table was to you as a kid. Um, and I remember having heard that testimony from you, I, it convicted my heart that like, I have my own special routine for prayer. I need to upend my routine so that I'm an intentional witness to my kids. Mm-hmm. So every, every morning now, as inconvenient as it may be, like, I take the first half of my personal prayer time on our couch in the middle of our living room so that as my kids are getting ready for school, they get to walk by me reading scripture every day. You know, mm-hmm. Not to puff up my pride, but to witness to the fact that like, your, your dad is actively engaged in relationship with the Lord and interceding for you and mm-hmm. fighting for mission. Yeah, this is his
2: life source yeah i I absolutely agree, and I think just the um presence is just carefree timelessness as well uh, you know I think the uh it, it, we can be so active yeah. um and in our activity we may not actually be present. I think what I find myself fighting the most for as a dad is just making sure i'm I'm home when my kids are home <laughs> right that like yeah. they because uh if they're if they're gone to sports but I'm at home well then there's no presence happening and there's just mm-hmm. there's something about time and yep. fighting for time together yep. and um and the only way you can actually have time together is if it's scheduled right like it's very mm-hmm. you have to be in the the culture we live in it has to be intentional and so our time at home of course has to be intentional and if i'm trying to um spiritually father or mother other people i have mm-hmm. to be intentional on how how am I making time for them and how uh how am I present in their life? Mm-hmm. yeah the only thing I would add is just a, uh, a
0: a recognition that face time matters like to what you're saying Dan like my my face being there right yeah. like there's actually something in the old well in the old testament the the same word that's used for the word that we like translate into presence it can also be translated into face like God's presence is his face it's 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 like a because there's something about that. Like we were made for interaction in that way. So to your point, like even like those who are traveling a lot, if you're listening here, like the gift of technology, like FaceTime and stuff like that, like get time face-to-face with your kids because it matters for them to be able to see you and to be present to them. Yeah.
1: Um, I want to jump onto affirmation. So one of the unique aspects of authority as a father, you even see this again in Genesis when, when Adam is given the command to, to name creation. That our word actually communicates identity, and certainly, uh, and this is particularly true to father to fathers in a unique way that it is to mothers. Um, And I don't know, I I I I love and affirm both relationships to be sure. It's it's so interesting, you know. Whether I think the the um, the common example that I think of in this is when my daughters want to show me like their newest flip into the pool or their newest dance move, I constantly hear them like, dad, look at me. Dad, look at me. Dad, watch this. Yes. Why? Because, because that, that focus, that attention, mm-hmm. that word of affirmation, it actually communicates identity. Mm-hmm. It communicates value in a, in a really powerful way.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I was, again, uh, listening to Dr. Bob Schutz on this. And he made a statement that as a man, um, as a spiritual father, you communicate identity, period what are you communicating? Right. So it's not as though I have a choice mm-hmm. of, okay, how, you know, will I choose words that affect somebody's understanding of themselves today? No. Your words will affect somebody's understanding of themselves today. Definitely. Um, how, how, do we, how do we do that intentional? Mm-hmm.
2: I love that. Uh, uh, a few years ago, it was, I was um, wrestling with how do we raise up particularly the men in our community better yeah. and how, what's the secret to raising up uh, masculine leadership. And um, the Lord kind of just highlighted the, the baptism of Jesus the that it, the Jesus's ministry and his leadership in the church started with a word of affirmation from the father yeah. uh, that this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And, that word of affirmation of who he is and his pleasure over his son is what I, I, it's, it was right before the temptation in the desert. It's what allowed Jesus Mm -hmm. to be, be ready not only for the temptation and to stand strong through temptation, Mm -hmm. but then launch into ministry and know that the destination of his ministry was the cross. And it was that, that ministry and uh, healthy ministry in the church flows forth from affirmation. Mm -hmm. And and I started to think about, man, like just think about our, our, our boys in seminary, like, are they getting enough affirmation, right? Because Mm -hmm. they go and they're, they're being schooled and they're being taught, but there has to be real spiritual affirmation Mm -hmm. coming uh, over them, right? That, that we have uh, that as a church, we have an obligation to Mm -hmm. encourage our young men and to affirm them and who they are and what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, to prepare them to be healthy spiritual leaders and yeah. to be healthy priests. And, uh, and I, I do, I, and I, you said specifically for the, like an authority that comes from the father, I think also in a, in a unique way, I think we, we often mm-hmm. talk about how young girls need to be affirmed. And um, mm-hmm. I think there's a major, major need for young men to be affirmed as well. Um, uh, that, that they, that their identity and their goodness would be affirmed. And that mm-hmm. draws something out of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I um, This is not, uh, I am not the best at affirmation. And it's actually funny because it was just last night, my wife Nina and I were at a, at a gathering and we were coming back and she actually challenged me on like the way I said a particular thing. And I got defensive in the moment, but I have thought about it a lot since she brought it up. And I, I think I went into this place of like, when she brought it up, like I just wish my words didn't matter that much. Like I wish I could just kind of like say it. And just say what I'm feeling in the moment and not have to worry about like ramification and stuff like that. And she was really kind of pressing in in a beautiful way. And I was thinking about it this morning in my prayer time. And the Lord was just speaking something to me like this, that Brad, eventually those who look to you are going to get exhausted by your wisdom if it's not accompanied by the love that will never be exhausting. That eventually, like you can have the the wisest words of all time and all of the right strategies, and maybe you understand it to a degree that they don't. But there's going to come a time where that gets exhausting, where that is no longer cherished if it's not accompanied by the love that never will. And I was just so challenged uh, this morning in thinking about that. And and what a, what a gift to have Nina to speak that to me. But I I do think that's part of my recognition too that. Spiritual fatherhood, if you're going to step in and really own the faith like you're called to, is not an option. And and it's going to be to various degrees for all of us in the church, right? Like a bishop has a spiritual fatherhood that's very different than your Mm -hmm. run-of-the-mill person that you meet in a parish. Um, That doesn't mean that any of us are excused from it. It just means there's going to be degrees to it. And as I'm recognizing my degree,
2: wrestling with that. I think, too, I'm just even... Because I'm trying to think through, okay, how like what are what are different ways of af- affirming people, and, and mm-hmm. just the the profound affirmation that Jesus gave to his disciples when he said, "Come, follow me." Right? That mm-hmm. you know, you you give a talk often, Brad, that goes mm-hmm. through the the Jewish roots of yeah. education and mm-hmm. discipleship, and that um, mm-hmm. the, the you know, if you're out mending your father's nets, you're you're plying your father's trade. It means that you weren't good enough to be chosen by a rabbi. So mm-hmm. the fact that James and John, Peter and Andrew were doing their dad's job, like mm-hmm. their trade, they, they hadn't been chosen by a rabbi mm-hmm. and the Lord comes up to them and he says, come follow me. The words that a rabbi would speak and mm-hmm. it affirms you're good enough. I mm-hmm. uh, like I'm choosing you. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 that action of calling someone mm-hmm. is a, uh-huh. a word of affirmation to bring them mm-hmm. into ministry. And then that as Jesus ministers to his um, disciples, just even to, to say that like, go as mm-hmm. as the father has sent me, so mm-hmm. I send you like, yeah. whoa, whoa, you're calling me to do your saving work. Like no greater affirmation is there to say, mm-hmm. hey, this is actually my job, but yeah. do you want to do it? Like I was yeah, right. I was asked to save the world, yeah. but I'm actually <laughs> inviting you into the salvation you're in it. Yeah, And I remember one of my spiritual fathers in... Um, in high school, he mm-hmm. he was he was supposed to give a talk. And he said, "Hey, I just feel like the lord wants wants you to give this talk instead of me." And mm-hmm. I knew he loved speaking. And I knew that mm-hmm. it was an act of sacrifice to give that talk mm-hmm. away. And it was such an affirmation that, like, oh wow, the mm-hmm. task that you were called to do and could have done and mm-hmm. would have done better than me, mm-hmm. you're actually inviting me into that's That's, there's different ways to affirm and that's real spiritual leadership over a person let's
0: bring that back to aaron's first point too because i just don't want to lose it like the call of those disciples when james and john are called yes it's affirming them you know what else it's affirming zebedee because Zebedee raised those boys to do something greater than he did, yeah. Which was the whole point, the whole reason that that was such a hard moment is when they came to learn their father's trade. They yeah. were they were admitting that it'll be the next generation that has a chance. But no, like Jesus says, no, this one. And that anyway. I was reading so much
2: that one time at mass. Yeah, oh, this is no joke. I was twenty years old. I was serving. Oh no, I'm sorry, eighteen. I was a missionary on that, and I was reading Matthew chapter four as the you know, mm-hmm. uh, or no, it couldn't have been mass because why would I have been reading Matthew chapter? Because that's the gospel, and I wouldn't Maybe have read you the came gospel. Came back from the Eucharist, and, a, and you were like, "I'm I going a, to it." I was in in front of a crowd, and I I literally said, "The sons of Juju B." <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's Not where I thought so that was going. Not,
2: James and John, the sons of Juju Not where Jujubee. I thought it was going here, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So um, um, yeah, yeah. We the, can
0: just we can probably go to the fourth point. Let me The sons of Z- Jujube Z- Z- and Jujube himself.
2: Uh,
1: guys, this is seventy. Yeah. I want to bring us in for a landing. Uh, this is that's an awesome. conversation. amazing. I uh, maybe maybe we can convince Gabe to let us do another show on this sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got like 12, 12 more <laughs> solid points on this that I'd love to I'd love to touch on, but. Um, my last one is uh, affirmation. I'm sorry, advocacy and support. Um, one of the things that I think is critical about, about a, a father or mother is selfless detachment and generous inheritance. So, um, I, I think about like you know the the stuff that you've been given. Are you utilizing it as as an intentional tool to build up those who follow you? Um, I, I think of just a couple you know simple practical examples. There's never been a time where I've needed a tool to accomplish a task that I've, that I've called my dad and he hasn't been generous to lend it. But when somebody asks me, Hey, can I borrow that thing? Like there's something in me that's like, Oh crap. If I give this, <laughs> if I give this away, I'm, I'm never going to get it back. Or they'll like, break it. <laughs> that's something that, that's something that I have been, I've been immensely intentional about fighting that, that mm-hmm. the moment that somebody asks me for help or, or mm-hmm. to, to borrow or to use mm-hmm. something that I, that I possess, uh, to be to be overly generous, intentionally generous mm. in in allowing that for the sake of what it builds in me and mm-hmm. in them.
2: Um, That's good to know. We can start asking here. Take for advantage. More. Take
1: my yeah. car. <laughs> take my Make take my high. clothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and then generous inheritance. And this is the last last piece. Uh, I, uh an invitation to give.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that that we show we show investment in the people that we that we love by by how we mm-hmm. invest in them. Um, you know that everything that I have, it's yours, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's communicated intentionally through through tithing and MSR. Um, you know, I I, again, Monica and I, if anybody ever asks us for support, like we we have to support them. That's the commitment we have in our family. Yeah. Um. Because because we need to
2: we need to adopt that that mindset. Yeah. Right. It's beautiful. Well, I so. Aaron, you and I went to St. Charles yeah. and, you know, in my class at St. Charles, is a big college preparatory school. And there were some classmates that came from very wealthy families. And, um, and I would, um, you know, my family wasn't super wealthy. My dad was a, a mailman. And, um, I remember th- like watching right after high school, the guys who their parents, um, had, wealth, this, I mean, you know, we talk about this in culture as white privilege, right? But those who had wealth, they were able to excel, excel their careers so quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. And think about that spiritually through, um, or think about that through the lens of, of, of the spiritual life that if I, those fathers were hungry to give their financial resources to advance their children and those mothers, um, to advance their children as, as, Uh, as Mm -hmm. well as possible. And some of those guys, they launched their careers quick. They were able to start businesses or they're able to Mm -hmm. jump into their father's company or their mother's company and get like, you know, they're all of a sudden they're the CFO. And it's these, Mm -hmm. um, if we if we had that mentality spiritually that like the resources God's poured into me I want to learn how to steward those as best as, po- as possible because I want to give them to you so that you are are accelerated to success mm-hmm. in your spiritual life and in your ministry life. And it's really like, it's, 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 it's been this like question in my heart too, is like, okay, those that we're caring for, how do the, the three of us, we're constantly yeah. wrestling. How do we take what God's deposited in us mm-hmm. and the, and has invested in us and the, the spiritual capacity or that we've been given to really leave that legacy or to pass that yeah. on to advance those, the people mm-hmm. after us way quicker. Yeah. That's yeah. really good.
0: Yeah. I, I want to make just one adjacent point, I think um, because the word that's standing out to me here is advocacy. Yep. And whenever you're in a relationship with someone, the only way that you can hold them to a high bar in what you're asking from them is for them to trust that when they go out on that limb, if the limb breaks, you'll be there for them, right? So like, I think what ends up happening in the church a lot is we artificially lower the bar because we're not willing to walk out the responsibility on the other side for what we're assigning someone to. Mm -hmm. So whenever there's a a missionary who comes up to Mm. me and is hungry for something, and I wanna give it to them, the only way I can hold them to the bar I know the Lord wants to hold them to so they can see how excellent they are is for them to know that when they mess up and they will,
3: yeah. that
0: I'm gonna take responsibility for that. And I'm gonna step in alongside them, right? Like there's something beautiful about that. I'm so struck whenever I'm watching a TV show or something. It's actually funny. Nina and I are just... uh a few episodes in, because we we actually rarely watch shows, but we um, watch the first few episodes of this show called Suits, and it has like goods and bads like anything, but it's it's actually like a a law firm in New York City, and there's this hotshot like um, partner attorney who has this understudy, okay, and the understudy makes all these mistakes because the hotshot's sending him into all these places. But what's crazy to see is even in the hot shots, like imperfect, like all of us and has a lot of selfishness and things <laughs> he's working through, but he always steps in and always is like, yeah, that, that's actually, that's mine. Like I, cause I sent him there. And so, and, and what it does is it gives the understudy such confidence to say yes the next time. Right. Because. Yeah, the one who's assigning him to the thing is also being accountable with him. So yeah. the advocacy is huge there because I advocate for you. I'm going to send you on an impossible task that you're going to fall short of, yeah. and I'm going to step in and assist you right there. Yeah,
1: uh, guys, this has been a sweet conversation. I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm grateful for your witness and for how you carry this out in yeah, in your own lives um, and how you push me as as a as a man as a as a husband as a father. To my children and in this community to, to live this. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't by accident. It's not optional. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if, if you're listening to the show today and, and, you're, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, my heart is convicted. I want to live these things. Um, come back to this, maybe come back to this episode mm-hmm. and, and ask like, how, how can these points, um, how can these encouragements continue to, continue to help me to grow? As a leader, as one who's charged with with communicating and with developing and with forming others in faith,
0: maybe go to those passages too, Malachi, yeah. like see the baptism of Jesus, the call of the first disciples, like just to continue to. Encourage.
1: There's a there's a big expectation. I look to James oftentimes. You know, Jesus invites us to teach and to lead, and then he also says, "If you teach, you're going to be held to a high standard." Yes. Yes. So uh, it's it's mm-hmm. not optional. Yeah. Um, but you will be held to a standard. It's humbling, right? Yeah. So uh, I, hope this, I hope this message blesses you. Mm-hmm. I, I know this conversation has blessed me. Um, you know, Bookmark this one to return to it. If there's someone in your life who, who you'd like to share this message with mm-hmm. who you think might be impacted, please share it. Mm-hmm. Also, we'd love to engage in conversations. So feel free to comment or uh, like or subscribe to this episode so that others can be impacted in a similar way and so we can keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us for Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission i like to thank all those who've invested in us and this show to make it possible, especially St. Gabriel Radio. And uh, we love being in conversation with you. So we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.